0: This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. I don't know if this is a surprise, but we had that question if which quarterback would you rather vacation with? Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? I'm firmly in in Camp Rogers. That seems laid back. That seems more fun. Russell seems like you're doing outfit changes and all sorts of stuff that, like, I'm not even. Like, uh, that's. I I don't want to be professionally photographed during my vacation. Paul, you were very much in camp. Like, Russ will be so fixated on his presentation that you'll be be able to do that. The text. The text line, the 710710, the Mac and Jacks text line has come in firmly in favor of Aaron Rodgers. No doubt. 509 says, Wow, Danny, thanks for making me choose Aaron Rodgers (laughs) over Russell Wilson for the first time in my life, you orifice was what he said to me. That was actually probably
1: uh, my fault. I can take credit. It was, it was my question. I, I've uh, never been to Hawaii, so I understand that probably a lot of people that we're texting that into have been there. I love the Mediterranean. I loved Croatia. I loved Greece. And I would imagine I'd love Italy. And again, I don't think I'm going to be hanging out with Russ the entirety of this time. I think I would be able to very easily sneak off and do my own thing.
0: 509 also says, Scotch vacation over nanobubbles for me. Very fair. Yep. very fair yeah. i think that 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 aaron Rodgers has shown like whatever your predilection he can't chug a beer but the man will enjoy some high-end spirits from time to time as opposed to uh concussion water but you will be healthy
1: if you drink the nano bubbles where you know the calories will you with that with will that you scotch. do we really know do we know if nano bubbles is, is really going to make you healthy uh help with your digest- digestion right there's bubbles so it's going to help break down you know what's in your stomach
0: well, that is one of the questions, if you have any thoughts on who you would rather vacation with. You would definitely cover more ground with Russ, like the, oh, yeah. the, sheer, the sheer amount of territory that they've covered. You're probably also potentially going to be p- flying in a private jet or version of a private jet. As long as you notice the logo, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> it is danny Gallot. we will get back to uh some of the mz's we'll talk about at nine thirty. Uh, jared kelnick will be back with the mariners tonight cal raleigh is also up so we're seeing a little bit of the the changing of the guard and turning the page of a season that has gone better than most people would have expected certainly than any of the prognosticators and see if the mariners can now they've played their way into a conversation can they play their way to some tough decisions and We've talked about it. I do think if the Mariners are going to make additions, it's pitching. I think it's arms that you're going to end up wanting. And I don't... Herman Marquez is probably going to be the jewel of this trade season. I don't know if you're going to be able to pry him away from Colorado without having to give up either Rodriguez or Kellenic, which I would never do. I would never make that trade of a potential cornerstone. Noel Marte is probably off the table as well, though, man, I'd probably think a lot longer about that possibility. But the Mariners might have played themselves into at least that conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I think, though, the way that they play themselves into it further really has to do with what we see out of the young man who is going to be turning 22 tonight and and, and back. I mean, is is not Jared Kelnick the single biggest factor right now determining whether or not the Mariners make a serious playoff push?
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Like, he's going to have to pick up. He's going to have to be at least some—and that might be too much for him right now. But yes— if you're going to make a serious playoff push, he's going to have to be a difference maker.
1: And I don't think you want to put that pressure on him, but that is the real reality right now. I mean, you need to have somebody step up in this offense other than J.P. Crawford, who is hitting at an unsustainable pace right now. I mean, he hit 400 over the course of the last month. No matter how well he is playing, to expect him to do that the rest of the year is asking a whole lot. And I think maybe is more pressure on him than it is on Jared Kelnick.
0: Yeah. And, and that somebody texted in Kyle Seeger for Herman Marquez. Yeah. Colorado would hang no up way. on you so quick. Would King, I mean, Colorado's in a position. If they're going to deal Marquez, they're going to get some serious prospects in return. And they're, they're certainly the fact that he hasn't moved yet is a good sign for the Mariners, but. It's very possible that he's going to he's going to move without them ever having to come off their price of Kelnick or Rodriguez to the Mariners. It's very possible that look, he's got three years of cost control that are left. That's a conversation that will continue to go. But the news this week has been regarding Richard Sherman. Um, the update yesterday was that Richard Sherman was released. He appeared before a judge. He is no longer facing a felony count of, and it was an investigation of domestic violence burglary. That is off the table. It's four misdemeanors. Correct. He will he will appear or is scheduled to appear in court again this morning.
1: The charges: second degree criminal trespass, third degree malicious mischief for attempting to break in. And there's probable cause that he resisted arrest and probable cause that he drove while intoxicated. I'm not 100% aware of the DUI laws, and I know a lot of people texted in yesterday saying that it's a felony. I looked up the laws and I was like, "Wait a second, well, if no one's injured, is is it still to the same degree?" And since no one was injured in this, maybe that was one of the factors, but right now it feels like there's going to be a bunch of misdemeanors levied his way. He is so fortunate. There are so many things coming out of this night where he just should be extremely grateful that it did not end up being worse than it was.
0: It's a terrifying. And I, I it's it's a terrifying collection of events. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's overstated. From the decision to get behind the wheel after having had that much to drink. The crash that happened in a construction zone. Mm-hmm. The fact that he left the vehicle that he crashed after driving it away from the side of the accident. And then proceeded to his in-law's house. And that we've now seen video footage from him at, at the door trying to get into the house. Requesting first that, uh, that someone come out. And when they didn't, then throwing his whole body, his shoulder into the door. Here it here is the audio from from, from that video of, of Richard Sherman at the front door of his in-laws' house. Uh-huh. the The possibility of having significantly worse harm done to people is hey, it's chilling. Like there's there's no other. And everybody everybody is is incredibly fortunate. Everybody involved in this is incredibly fortunate that no one was hurt. That doesn't mean that this is something you can just say, "Oh, thank goodness," and we go on and proceed. Like I, I think that this is a moment that has to be and hopefully will be an, an impetus for change for for Richard Sherman if this is something that's more than just one bad night or anything like that and I do care a lot about I loved covering Richard Sherman I I've thought that he is one of the truly unique and interesting people it's he's he's just he's a fascinating person I I do think that there are some some things that we've seen from his personality in terms of an inability to admit when he's wrong sort of that that volatile or combustible nature that's come out a couple times and that doesn't mean that someone who has that on the football field is going to have that in life but look the the sheer what we've seen that has happened over that night and the fact that there was a pre-existing protection order that caused him to to surrender any firearms that he had like there's there's real reason to worry and and to hope and it's really on on Richard to be able to address and change that this should be a really jarring moment in which he's fortunate that he doesn't have to deal with long term injuries that were caused by his decisions because the series of choices that he made is it's terrifying. It's really he put a lot of people that he cares an awful lot about in extreme physical jeopardy.
1: Right. Or just those people at the construction site who were going about their day all of a sudden a car comes flying out of nowhere, and it's really fortunate that no one got hurt. He should be extremely grateful for that, but there will be long-term ramifications just in terms of his overall relationships, I would imagine, with all of those people who were involved, his in-laws specifically. I wonder how things are between them at this point in time, and his wife. Imagine you're in a home, and all of a sudden you, you see this. These people are coming after the People that brought you into the world. You know, all of a sudden Richard Sherman trying to break in violently. He's trying to fight your father. That is an image that's going to, I think, be tough for anyone to get out of their mind, regardless of whether or not he had consumed too much alcohol. Because while you understand how things escalate in that way with alcohol, it's not an excuse. And I think some people use it as one, and it, and it shouldn't be. Oh, I was drunk. Well, I mean, look how bad things God, It's not like the real world stops while you are off in a different state.
0: Alcohol is a specifically and, and the use of or overuse or being drunk. It's one of those hard things to sort of outline because you're right. You do have responsibility for the decision you made to consume the alcohol that put you in that state. It's also alcohol can cause you or lead you to making decisions that you wouldn't make it, you can make bad decisions under the influence and it's not like you're it's not like you're immune from responsibility but it's also like you look at it and you're like I wouldn't have done that if I was sober I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been or you might not even remember facing those di- right. those those distinctions and I guess that's what I'm saying like it should cause a long hard look at you can't ever put yourself in a situation to make those kind of mistakes again you
1: can't and you have to imagine that there may have been situations in the past that were at least heading towards this.
0: And it makes you wonder of how many times that have been there and that hopefully this is an opportunity that this crisis creates an opportunity to to change the direction things have.
1: Headed. Yeah, we, we all want the best for him. I, I don't think there's anybody here specifically in this city that's looking at him and, and, and thinking like, oh, well he deserved this or something like that. And if you are, honestly, I would look at yourself in the mirror and just wonder why you're feeling that way. It's because he left the Seahawks and, and he talked some things about them after the fact. I mean, this guy, in terms of what he delivered on the playing fields, but more importantly, what he did giving back to this town, it's really, truly some special and important stuff. So we're all hoping that he gets back on the right track, but you can't at the same time hoping for him to rebound you can't excuse what took place.
0: He's not the victim here, right?
1: Exactly,
0: right. And that doesn't mean that I am not concerned or that I don't feel that there is a situation deserving of compassion. Like I feel compassion, I feel empathy, but the victims in this situation are are the the family members around him primarily, and it's also the people that he put at risk by getting behind the wheel in that state. Like those are those are the people, and and Richard Sherman. And, I know that because nobody was hurt, there's sort of this sense that, that, I've, that I've picked up from people of like, oh, we, we should feel bad for him and hopefully th- this is a cry for help and all of those things. And yeah, that's partly true. It's also he did something terrifyingly dangerous and that it's not just about him it's about the people he put at risk because of those decisions and and hopefully that this is the prompt that he needs to never make those series to never be in that situation again because he, it was his decision making that put them yes. it, that created this exactly it, it was his and it's a series it's not one bad choice it's a series of escalating jarring decisions that have been made to to, to create the cumulative it's terrifying what happened that night. And for context's sake, I
1: mean, this is a guy who had an emergency protective order against him so that he can't have a firearm. And also, apparently, those in his circle were concerned about his well-being over the last couple of weeks, months. So definitely, this has been turning into
0: a worse and worse storm. And anybody that's ever been around someone who has reached a crisis point or has had and is exhibiting sort of decision-making, is putting themselves or other people around them in danger has gone through this of how do you get someone to embrace that? And and generally, and my experience has been you don't get there by just saying, oh, it'll work itself out. Like they, 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 they have to come face-to-face with the fact that they're responsible for it and and the fact that Richard is in the courts now and having to deal with four what are misdemeanor charges. Look, everybody is fortunate that this wasn't worse, and richard sherman is one of the people that is most fortunate that this did not turn out worse that no one was injured and and hopefully that means that it it should make it easier to make a change because you're not dealing with the fact that you profoundly impacted someone else's life by injuring them in in, in if you were intoxicated and driving because that becomes so much so much harder but at at the end of the day you can talk about all of the mental health care And all of the crisis management that you want. At the end of the day, it's not just about Richard Sherman. It's about the people he put at risk through his series of decisions that he made.
1: It's more about them, honestly. And we're all hoping that he gets those things that we just mentioned that help. But you're right. It's about those people who are now in the spotlight because of actions of somebody else.
0: It's Danny and Gallant. It is time for us to go around the NFL. It's time to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at nine fifteen with Danny and Galan. What's up, Aura? That's it. Yeah, not
1: feeling it. All right. No horns. I said anywho so many times today, and people are people are worked up, so you don't get an air horn. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Cliff Averill joined Wyman and Bob on Monday and he spoke about where he thinks the Seahawks' D-line depth is right now. This is the deepest, I think, defensive line that the Seahawks have had from a depth perspective that they've had since the Super Bowl year, since the year we won the Super Bowl, collectively. now. Mm Obviously, that means you have to go out and perform with the depth. But this is the depth, the most depth they've had from guys that are productive or that have been productive uh, collectively. And Hyder plays a big role in why I think they're going to have a lot of success up front.
0: I get why people are saying that. They don't have one player right now that's as proven a pass rusher as Cliff Averill or as Michael Bennett. Michael ben- those guys were incredible. They had three guys who had double-digit sack productivity with Bennett, Averill, and then Chris Clemens. Th- that's an awful lot. I get why he's saying that because they are deeper, but do they have one guy? Is Carlos Dunlap better than any of those three guys? I think we hope so, and he looked good in half a season, but, man, that's, that's an awful lot of talent that they had on that. two 2000- thousand. I don't think this is a more talented team than that Super Bowl team. That on the defensive line, I I don't either. That might not be the difference anyway. Though I, I was
1: listening to a very interesting recent episode of the Mina Kimes show podcast, and she had on this guy by the name of Coach Vass, who's on this podcast called yeah. "Make Defense Great Again." It was a it was a really compelling listen this morning, and he was talking about how I mean some teams are just going away from having that big signature pass rusher because teams are getting the football out so quickly. So, I, I can understand why maybe they go in a direction where having that big-time number one pass rusher, like you mentioned, some of those guys too, I mean, they're, maybe they're not number one pass rushers, but they're definitely more talented than some of the guys that I think they have right now. Maybe that's not the biggest detriment, but I don't think we can say anything declaratively about the depth of this pass rush until we see a lot of it in action. Like, what's Daryl Taylor going to do when he is running upfield? What is... Alton Robinson going to look like in this season. LJ Collier, are we sure that some of the younger players are going to take the step forward that we want? Is Benson Mayoa going to be able to bring more to the table? Like they have a lot of they have a lot of bodies. I don't know that any of those bodies are definitively bodies that you look at and say, yeah, th- over, over the long haul of a 17-game season now, these guys are going to make a massive difference. I just don't see it right now. We might be saying something differently later, but I just don't know where you can make that prediction based off of. All right, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that the Eagles are in the best position to possibly end up with Deshaun Watson. But, of course, we're still seeing how that all plays out.
0: When do the Texans trade Deshaun Watson. Is it this summer, this season, after this season? I personally think they'll wait until his value is restored and they don't have to sell him, trade him off at a discount at any price. But if and when they do come to the point that they are ready to trade him, there is no team out there, no team out there, better positioned and better armed to go trade for Deshaun Watson than the Philadelphia Eagles. They already have two first-round draft choices. They have a potential 3rd first-round draft choices. They have depth on their roster at certain spots. They are out of the conference. If there's anybody that can make a deal for Deshaun Watson when Houston is ready, I would watch Philadelphia.
1: But Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, so that doesn't matter. I mean, and Nick Sirianni's the head coach, and this week we have seen conversation about how there are some who don't buy into the idea of Nick Sirianni as a head coach at all. Most recently, the offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts, but really, who was the offensive coordinator? Because Frank Reich's the head coach there. This is one of those situations where if Philadelphia wants to be serious, Danny, I feel like they have to do some of the things that we see in basketball sometimes, where you got to bring in a coach that he really likes before he would say yes to it. Now, and having a puppet head coach this year, Nick Sirianni, it might be really easy to move on and do that next offseason, but that's not happening this year. I don't think Deshaun Watson would sign up for the mess that Philly is right now.
0: Let me also raise my hand and say it strikes me as pretty gross to start talking about someone restoring their value at a point yeah. that there are what, still 21 outstanding civil lawsuit litigants against him for, inter- for sexually inappropriate or flat-out sexual assault. Like, that's I, I get what he. Philadelphia is in the best position to acquire a veteran quarterback, given the number of draft picks they have next year. They have two already first round picks and a potential third from the Carson, depending on how that comes out. How Wentz performs. It, if I was a team, if you trade for Deshaun Watson, knowing that those complaints are out there, you're basically saying that you don't care about the fact that he was in at the very least inappropriate in massage, and at the worst a sexual predator it's it's gross to me it yeah I I don't any team that trades for him I'm gonna I'm gonna think is like basically is any any sort of person they don't care about the conduct of their players at all they just want a good quarterback Pittsburgh Steelers are another team that
1: comes to mind though when you think about that uh, text in 710 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line value restored you mean he pays his way out of the allegations. That's, That's how it tol- will happen.
0: Well, it's totally how it's going to happen because there's yeah. not criminal charges. It's all going to is that is that what's going to? They're going to come out and say all these cases are settled. They're non-disclosure agreements, so none of these women are going to talk further about it. And then the NFL is going to raise its hands and say, "Well, you know, everything's resolved, and there were no criminal charges, so they're not going to yeah. suspend him, or they're going to suspend him six games, like like Ben Roethlisberger, Look- and then we're going to pretend that." He's he's a franchise. If if I was another team, there's no way I would trade for Deshaun Watson. I, I would still think long and hard about it, and it's one of those— I wouldn't do it. Well, I, I would, Just wouldn't. That's what makes I'm it not, different, I'm right? Not, yeah, no, it doesn't, though. It's either the player's employable or not employable. Well, is Ben Roethlisberger
1: employable, though? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, to me, is not employable based off of what he did back in
0: Georgia. I would agree with you. I would not have traded for Ben Roethlisberger after all of that. It's one thing when the player is on your team already— it's mm-hmm. another thing to go out and acquire that player, knowing that, right? Of saying like, "Yeah, this is all really skeevy and potentially I, criminal and just gross," but he's a quarterback and he'll help us, so we'll take a slight. No, he's either employable or not employable. If, in if, my mind, in my mind, Deshaun Watson not an employable player right now.
1: I'm with you in that. If you make that decision, you are you are sending a pretty strong message about what you care about and what you don't. But the other thing is, in a 32-team league, which is as competitive as it is, that also has a severe lack of quarterbacks, that there will be a team that says, we don't care at all. And I would not, in a positive way, understand it. I would understand that kind of desperation that leads someone to make a decision like that. And honestly, I mean... You know, We talk about the league. If the league is not going to do anything more to Daniel Snyder than this light little slap on the wrist that they gave him after all the allegations against him, one of which is essentially where he's recording porn illegally of some of the cheerleaders on the Washington football team uh, cheerleading staff, which is just unbelievable that that's all he got. I mean, with Deshaun Watson in this, you think that the NFL is going to try to keep away a young quarterback who's this good from one of its fan bases? Absolutely not.
0: That is around the NFL. We'll get back to the MZs. We have, what, breakout performer. We've already done worst screenplay. We've already done best screenplay. We'll have some other awards that we hand out. That's coming up next. You're listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Just saw on Twitter a picture of Pete Carroll. From his college playing days. Look at those locks. University of Pacific, 1971, 72. It's a account called Random Athletes with two S's. <laughs> I, I retweeted it. You're usually struck by how much someone has changed, right? Like, where you're like, oh my gosh. I look at Pete and I'm like, that's 50 years ago. And yeah, his hair's gray now. But it looks like the same dude. <laughs> he does. I mean...
1: No one has looked younger for a longer period of time than Pete Carroll. And I still vividly remember when when I was growing up in Massachusetts when he first took over as the Patriots head coach. And honestly, I, I don't see much of a difference in age. And I know I was seven. I mean, I see a massive difference with me. I have gray hairs all of well, a sudden. Well, you went
0: through puberty. It's not it, like Pete it, went still through a though, second puberty.
1: Pete looks like. Uh, he looks pretty much the same. It's vampire-esque. Yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: from 25 years ago, he, he he does. It is it is very striking. Paul, you brought up that question with Deshaun Watson and, and when when he's eligible to play and how you deal with that. I think we've got different perspectives here, but I, I'm interested in talking about it more because you think this is kind of on the leagues to decide when a player right.
1: is eligible. Who, who else is going to stop? One of the 32 actors in a desperate league like this from pulling the trigger and bringing in a guy who right now clearly looks very morally dubious at best, if not way worse than that, some team is going to pull the trigger. We're not just talking about a running back or a, a, a wide receiver, not to diminish those players. We are talking about one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL when he is healthy. And
0: somebody, even if it was a more clear-cut case of criminal, a criminal accusation, or a criminal case, a criminal charge, or even a conviction, that some team is going to say, well, you know what? The world deserves second chances, and this is a really good quarterback, so we're going to give him the second chance. I, I get that. Doesn't... By putting it in the league's lap, though, there are two things that I immediately react to. The first is, I don't trust the league. I don't trust the league to make those decisions. The second part is, doesn't that let the organizations off the hook? Like, doesn't that... Isn't that... And if Roger Goodell is, as, as I think, he's kind of the bulletproof vest for the owners. You get up there and you take all the flack, but you essentially work for us. It, it, it creates a situation where... Don't criticize me for signing this player. The league's allowing him to be eligible. And if the league allows me, I, you can't expect me to make a decision about on who we will employ and who we will won't. I, 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 I understand that the alternative is to turn it over to, hey, all right, it's the lowest common denominator. And it's the the, the threshold for employment in this league is basically the whatever the, the most morally dubious owner will decide to enable. I don't know if there's a different way out of it, though. Roberto Asuna, right? He's the reliever that the Houston Astros traded for from, and there was a, it was a, from all in, Appearances, it was a really heinous accusation he faced in Canada that was sealed. We don't know what happened because Canada's laws are different than ours. Right. And but there's she, not a level of transparency. But it was we a just
1: p- kn- pretty safe assumption to make. And I mean, I remember like we legitimately covered it the day of, and I remember we were all in agreement, and yet it turned into a screaming match, which is an amusing screaming match nonetheless. But you're right. Like we didn't know the details, but it was a pretty safe assumption to make that something absolutely horrible happened. And that the Astros were going to do that. I remember thinking there, that was before all the stuff came out this is the moment where they can no longer claim themselves to be this likable team that's all about young personalities who seem to be like really positive influences on the local community instead it was like oh they don't care i mean they're just going to bring this weasel in and he wasn't even that good even to make matters worse when he
0: did arrive can you protect a team from making decisions like that ultimately like if if you're eventually you have to be accountable as a franchise for the kind of people that you choose to bring in. The Cincinnati Bengals, for years, took chances and signed players who had faced really significant criminal accusations. I think they did it in part because they saw quote-unquote value there. Hey, we can get this guy for less or for a later draft pick than we otherwise would because nobody else will touch him because of the stuff he's done off the field. I think the Chiefs did that with Tyreek Hill and then did it again when they extended him. Right. I don't know if you can protect a team from doing that or keep a team from doing that, and you, you just have to call it out when you see it, and you're like, that team doesn't really care. that you, team specifically doesn't really yeah. care, and they've got they they're morally compromised, and th- that's that's the only yeah. way it, you don't have to follow suit if you're another team. you don't have to take the same approach to it like you can be more ethical or more moral about it. but I think you're using the wrong word here. I, I think it's prevent
1: it's not protect. It's preventing the league from bringing back a player who has done something that's embarrassing the league. And that's the way that they should look at it, I think. Because that way, it just takes the decision out of everybody's hands, as opposed to protect. Because those teams that are willing to sign Deshaun Watson, they don't <laughs> they don't feel like this is going to be a base instinct that is maybe making them look bad. They are going to weigh the pros and the cons, and they will see the pros much more than all of the people that Deshaun Watson may have heard along the way. They don't. They don't care. They want to win, and they want people to be engaged in the team. And while there will probably be blowback for the signing of a player like that at first, remember what happened in Philadelphia when Michael Vick got back with Philadelphia, got back on the field, and did what he did? People forgot pretty quickly just the things that he had done. And I know there are some people who love dogs who will never forgive him, and I don't blame them for it. But I know a lot of people in Philadelphia, they changed their opinion on Vick very quickly with how good he was
0: in that one season with Andy Reid. I don't know if that's the appropriate way for a league to act, though.
1: Well, 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 how else should they do it, then? I mean, should they just stand back and let one team decide to do it? Because one team will. That's the thing. With with a guy like him, one team will eventually say yes. With someone like Greg Hardy, who burnt every single bridge along the way and looked like an absolute crazy person in Dallas on the sideline where he blew up on that one assistant coach, okay, like, that decision decision's made for everybody there. You just saw that moment. He's not coachable. And in a situation like this, though, you're talking about a quarterback who, until this— was one of those guys that you look at and you're like, wow, I mean, he does everything right. He's a really good player on top of that. uh, It's it's one of those situations where
0: I feel like there are many teams that would be willing to overlook it. There might be, and they should deserve to be called for it and, and held accountable. Practically, I don't trust the league to do it because I think that the league makes decisions based on public perception and not upon actual objective criteria. And the other thing is that in the real world, and outside of sports, you don't have a regulatory agency that says, "Oh, Microsoft can't employ this guy," or you can't you can't keep from from hiring him. The company has to have a strong enough culture itself. And if you hire people who are degenerates, people who are criminals, like that, eventually reflects in your corporate culture and in the type of people that that you employ there. I. I I find myself, I have a hard time thinking that, hey, by preventing with these, these companies, the companies, a, a professional team is run by adults. True. And it's run by, by millionaires, and they should be accountable for the decisions that they make.
1: How many people honestly care about, and I mean people in positions of power, though, honestly care about culture? I mean, uh, as opposed to the bottom line. Because isn't that why you bring in somebody in those other situations, why you would
0: bring in somebody that maybe has that d- dubious pr- uh, track record? But they should care about culture because of well, the don't long-term disagree. consequences. But look at Houston. Houston, Houston's approach to things, the Astros' approach to things, it wasn't just Osuna. It was a wide range of ways that they treated people. It was an assistant GM yeah, who was Randy yelling Taubman. at female reporters about it. It was a, a sign-stealing scandal that, that happened to it. That Those sort of things... I, I don't know if you have a, a, a commissioner yeah. that can prevent – if you've got a morally bankrupt organization, eventually that's going to come out in the wash, and that's on them. And they, they eventually have to bear the brunt of, of those decisions. And the best way to stop it is by pointing out, like, hey, if you're willing to cut this corner to win, that that probably says something really, really poor about the way – the decision-making and the culture that you have in your team.
1: How madly do you think they would want to cut something like this out too, just given the way that they handled the Washington football team situation? I mean it's it's an embarrassment that that they, a 10 million dollar fine, and there's no report on it, and there's what like 500 words on Tom Brady's deflated balls.
0: You and know that's part of what makes me so skeptical of that's we're the same entity that just came to that decision. We're going to let them choose. Who is and is not eligible to play? I think it might actually end up providing cover for more teams to employ derelicts and guys that are criminals because they're it saying might. like you you can't you can't hold it to us. The teams, the league says he's eligible. That that's going to get more of those guys opportunities. It, it, it might, but I mean that's 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 why that's why you would have
1: them step in here, and they're never going to do it. They'll tap dance around it like they always do, and they'll use Roger Goodell as their meat shield. But um, you know that's. That is something that I feel like is only going to be stopped by the actual commissioner in the league itself. There will always be one team that says, yeah, we don't care. It's Danny and Gallant. We got flags. They're coming up next.
0: From the pocket and flags everywhere. Flag on the play.
1: Now there's a flag down. Every
0: morning at 945 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be Flag on the play. It's time for us to raise, throw, pick up, whatever you want to do with the flag. I'm going to go ahead and start. I'm raising a flag for Bryson DeChambeau.
1: What? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's
0: committed to the character. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) He's committed to the character. Yeah, he's terrible. (laughs) He's the worst. So he's had his caddy... He's had a separation from his caddy. We haven't gotten the blow-by-blow, blow, but it certainly seems like the caddy just had enough of him. It was like, I'm not carrying your bag anymore. This isn't worth it. Now, he's got his reps from Cobra. Cobra makes his clubs, and he complained about the driver yesterday. And apparently, this is a huge no-no in golf. Like, you can't say anything about your clubs. He, and he's, he said, I, I can't. The driver, the driver stunk. He used even a more colorful expression for that. And so the Cobra rep comes out and is like, that guy's never happy. I carried his bag 2 weeks ago. He's just never happy. You wish he wouldn't say these things. We do a lot to accommodate him and he just complains then he comes out later and says it was unprofessional. I have always thought that there is a great deal of money to be made by someone who is willing to be a professional wrestling heel in sports. Like not not with a wink and a nod of like I'm really deep down a likable person, but like really be hateable. We might be seeing that with Bryson DeChambeau. He might be someone who is out there and is willing to do things that will annoy, aggravate, and just make everybody, like, boo him. I think he might make an incredible amount of money doing this. I think he
1: would, but I don't think he's willing to because I don't think he is self-aware yet. I think he might be self-aware someday. And I would point to a guy who I covered in Houston who, at times was so over the top Captain America you were like dude like you gotta realize that there's J.J. Watt yeah J.J. Watt but J.J. Watt over time became a lot more self-aware and I I give him a lot of credit for that because there was an act that it felt like he was trying to live up to as Mr. All-American Midwestern man and over time He's still got a little bit of that going on but I think he's a much more normal person and I hope legitimately hope for Bryson DeChambeau's sake that eventually he does become a little more self-aware because right now it just feels like he is he is burning bridges and, and kicking people away he is still the worst and obviously until he changes those habits I'm going to continue to call him out on it but there is a part of me that empathizes a little bit because I just don't think he knows any better and and I don't know who it's going to be that can shake him and say hey man like what are you doing dude like you're, you're going to run everybody off before, you know, you get halfway through life.
0: Run run them all off. Go through them. I've always thought that A-Rod made a tactically poor decision. When, after he left Seattle and became hated for taking all that money, for not leaning into the character and saying stuff like, all of you poor people would have taken the exact (laughs) contract that I did. So don't sit there and boo me, you cheap rinky-dink residents of Puget Sound. Like, all of this, you hate me because you can't be me. Like, fully go in character like well, that. Well, I- you, you would eventually become... You would be hated, and then you would be loved, and you would be rich by doing that. But nobody has the guts to do it. LeBron has many Dechambeau words did.
1: had once, right? He, no, no he, but he, he, he didn't. did once. He did. Well, once. Well, he talked he said, about wearing
0: the black hat, and then he caved and said he couldn't uh, do it. He never committed to the bit. There was a. There was an. I forget when, but I
1: remember specifically that there was a time where LeBron said, "Like y'all are just jealous of me," and
0: I was like, "You know what? Like go with that. That's more authentic than the other stuff that we see from you, man." Yeah. Or say that every time he hits a game-winning shot. Like, Skip Bayless, see that? <laughs> Want to see what Skip's got to say? Like, that sort of. But nobody's ever really committed to it. So I hope Bryson DeChambeau does. Paul, what do you got? I
1: am going to raise a flag to Giannis Antetokounmpo, first off, because he has turned the NBA Finals into a awesome series. That block that he had of DeAndre Aiden, I'm going to say It was better than LeBron's. And I'm saying it entirely because I root against LeBron. That shot block that he had was ridiculous. But also, I like it because, Giannis, I feel like there's an, there's something about him that just makes me smile. I feel like he's got a little bit of a goofy personality. And hearing him talk about why he has left the court twice in the last couple of games, it is very funny.
0: Giannis, this was the second game in a row you went out early in the first quarter. I'm just curious what was going on there.
1: I wanted to, uh, what how you guys say politely? I wanted to take a, a tinkle
0: a tinkle yeah yeah I went to take a tinkle it came back that's it that's that's polite right
1: tinkle is polite yeah both games I went to take a tinkle it went back
0: (laughs) grown men don't say take a tinkle
1: I I don't care it sounds great
0: grown men don't say take a tinkle he was trying
1: to be polite he didn't say he didn't say the p word and I, I I like it I like that and I gotta say too um for basketball players, I, I do feel for them. If you got to go, I mean, where are you going to go? Where is that going to be hid? Oh, but, come on.
0: Football players constantly have to go, and they, they find ways to around but it. You could, it's, but it's a
1: big field, and you have plenty of places to hide on the sideline to do it, or you can just do it on the field. On a basketball court, if you're if, if it's coming down your leg, I mean, you're going to need a guy to wipe it up, right? One
0: strategically those... placed towels? Come on. <laughs> oh, man. I, if football players can solve that problem, basketball players can.
1: I, I'll never forget my uh, teammate, Rogan. <laughs> who I love dearly and I still talk with these days, who, who one time in a game said, hey, Paul. And I looked out and I saw something trickling down his leg. This place had no bathroom, so I thought to myself, you know what? Shoot, I got to join in. So uh, during a high school game, at least one, yeah. I uh, Since there was no bathroom, nature called. In my pants.
0: <laughs> yeah, Miles
1: that's, Davis, that's me.
0: Sounds like you tinkled.
1: <laughs> Mora, what do we got? That was more than I ever needed to know. <laughs> more is all so
0: disgusted.
1: Um, I am going to raise a flag for all of us being together again. It's been yay,
0: it a yeah. Fun
1: show. I Just agree. Way to head into the weekend.
0: It is a good way to head into the weekend. Want to thank the professor John Clayton for joining us in the morning drive. Michael Bumpus, who was with us at Blue Forty Two, Maura Dooley, who is the sunshiny side of this show, and he is Paul Gallant. And sometimes nature calls.
1: Sometimes nature calls indeed, and he is Tanny O'Neill. You got a little tan going on. I like it. Not
0: really. Just freckles. Oh,
1: come on. You get, you get, you get anyone is more tan than me. I, I feel like there's a nice little color to you. you got a new profile picture on Twitter. You look like you played the guitar. It's fantastic. Welcome back, buddy. Great to have you back. Well, you have a good weekend.
0: You do the same.
1: Paul Gallant n-
0: takes you through the next hour.
1: Just me, and the question is, one word, how's Jared Kelnick's second foray into the major leagues going to go? 7-10, 7-10. Talk to you soon.